Hello and welcome to Fix the Money Podcast, broadcasting from Vienna, Austria. I'm one half of your host, the I.L. Osowski, and I'm joined as always on the mic by Mr. Nico Yilch. Nico. Hey, Yael. Hey, How are you doing? I'm pretty good. We're both uh, freshed up. We got a little bit of sun. Maybe you had a little bit of Kaiserwetter out of there on the mountain. Not sure. I was, I was skiing for a whole week, and I didn't see a cloud, and I'm now lying. There was clouds, of course, but it was, it was sunny the whole week. The kids had fun. There was lots of snow. You forget about the troubles of the world. You get off stupid social media. It's great, man. And now you're back to Bitcoin. Back, back on office. stupid social media. <laughs> hey, no, it's all the good stuff. And you're on Noster now, hashtag. So we can talk about that later. But uh, yeah, we've got plenty of things over there on fixthemoney.substack.com. We've got articles. you got that podcast with Greg Foss that Nico had published. And uh, plenty of, of articles for your raising doozy. So I think a lot of people are liking that. I like the last one. The last one that you wrote, ma'am. Um, the revolt of the Bitcoin public. You you base that on a book. You talk about a book that's not really about Bitcoin. Can you can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, this is a book. It's called Revolt of the Public and the Crisis of Authority in the New Millennium. So it's this uh, CIA analyst, former CIA analyst Martin Gurry, sort of a geopolitical strategist. Uh, he's someone who was basically keeping watch on many of the different uprisings that we had with the Arab Spring, you know, beginning in 2010, 2011. It's actually exactly when I came to Vienna, and I almost went to University of Cairo, so I'm actually glad I did not in the end and came to Vienna. Uh, but this book goes through many of those different uprisings and then also Occupy Wall Street, uh, many of the different Tea Party protests, and he kind of crashed this thesis about what others call hyper-normalization. Everybody's online, everybody's got cell phones, and in a way we've been able to hold back against the elites in a way that they never predicted. So you have this normal predictability of governance. You have these elites, financial and political, they know how things work, and they will provide a solution. That's what every voting person thinks. Uh, but when we have all of this new social media, we've got people who are reading up online and finding alternative theories. You have people getting into Bitcoin and all these other uh, sort of alternative uh, societies or, or different ways of thinking. It means that the elites are losing power. It means that they cannot have the same monopoly of both information and control that they used to have. So it's, it's a lot of uh, fun examples, some of them a bit dated by now because we've had a couple revolutions since in the Middle East. But he mentions all of this, and I think it's the perfect Bitcoin lens to analyze it because this idea of competent control, uh, for those of you who study Bitcoin, you know that the fiat control of money is out of hand and has been for a long time, and that illusion is already shattered. So I, I think using Guri's framework is just kind of a, a perfect way to look at what Bitcoin is doing, and that's why uh, the, you sort of see every single week some billionaire banker person or some regulatory person who will go without even being asked and start talking about Bitcoin and start talking about what's happening there and how you should be wary and don't invest and don't do this. Uh, in a way, it's, it's, they're kind of running scared. Uh, and so that's, that's what, I, what I said, right? That's what I said in my last article um, on, on the ECB. And I think they are scared. So, so some of the, the German YouTubers, they're like counting mentions of Bitcoin um, at the ECB website. And I think they came up with like 75 mentions uh, within the last year alone. There's That's a insane. Whole, there's a whole 
um, subsection of people um, talking about it um, and 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 scaring people away basically. And it's it's easy to see that they are not being serious about it because they never talk about any potential benefits. They never talk about any any like reasons why people would like Bitcoin and even crypto. They only bash it, so it's very easy to see that they only try to to to, to throw shit at the at the thing and see what sticks. But it's interesting that 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 you know you can come to the same conclusion that um, these elites are losing control in a way from so many angles, and that this is not something that has started with Bitcoin at all. It basically started with um, with the internet, with, with the connections between people, and suddenly we have we have um, this ability even like completely outside of, of any systemic or government situation um, of talented people, you know, getting, get it, getting selected by the marketplace and, and starting their own business on YouTube or, or sub, uh, Substack maybe. Yes, even Substack and, and Spotify and whatever, you know. Um, so I'm very much into the whole um, creator economy thing right now because it's what I'm doing and I didn't even know what I was getting into. I, I just thought I'd, I'd be talking about Bitcoin all the time. Uh, most of uh, mostly I do, but um, and then and then you see these 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 um, elites trying to cling back some control to, uh, through regulation and let's call it the innovation of state money, I guess, central bank digital currencies. Have you have you used your digital euro yet? You know, I haven't. Um, I've gotten close to uh, getting it. I guess I've. Uh... I've signed up for the mailing list. I'll just say that. So, uh, <laughs> Soon. I think we're all forcibly signed up to the mailing list. It's one you cannot unsubscribe from. <laughs> so the ECB, the ECB, the European Central Bank, they are very, they're in a very special place because they are scared of the Chinese, they're scared of the Americans, and they're scared of Bitcoin at the same time. And, and then there is this interesting phenomenon that there is a couple of European uh, states that are in the European Union, but not in the Eurozone. And they're actually doing better than the country, countries within the Eurozone. So there's the Czech Republic and there's Poland and Denmark and Norway and Switzerland. Now, Norway and Switzerland are not even in the EU and they probably know why. But um, so, so that the digital euro, you know, have you have you read up about it? I, well, I've read, uh, obviously, your writing over there on fixthemoney.substack.com, uh, but from, from what I've seen on digital euro, uh, it's always like, you know, this is how the, Europe, the Europeans always do this, right? They have this grand plan that they work on behind the scenes to get all these stakeholders. Um, citizens, by the way, not involved, so um, you it's or not, me. But. It's, I mean, they do like, like consultations, I think they call it. So when you can, you can send in your opinion. Okay, I think this one might already have been hosted. It might have been on the ECB site or something. Yeah, you yeah, might yeah. Do the they, did, they did do that, and and basically um, most of the most of the answers were, "You idiots, stop doing this. We don't want this." Mm. And then the, most of the other answers were about privacy. And then they basically spun it in a way that they say, "Look, we got so many answers. People are totally uh, excited about the project." <laughs> um, and I mean, there is at least one good reason to do it and that's there is there needs to be some sort of of cash equivalent in the in the cyberspace from the perspective of a central bank right if your job is to provide the nation's money um then you have to make sure that people can use it and then that's where it gets complicated so we have credit card companies we have banks we have the the broader public we have bitcoiners which are by now um a pretty vocal little minority 
of people who are obsessed with the whole idea of money and privacy and and of course the inflation thing so you can never even if the the, the digital euro for some reason is better technically than than something like bitcoin it can never be better from an inflation point of view because inflation is built in um and then you have these 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 stupid ideas of um, a three thousand euro limit to what you can what you can have, and now we have seen the the digital pound. Did you see the digital pound um, um, the diary? Brit- Bitcoin. The, the Bitcoin. Did you see that on the on the on the Bank of England's website? <laughs> yes, I did. They this have like a thing, fun. you know. They have like how might it work? A day in the life of a digital pound user. Seven a.m. You check your balance on the digital pound wallet. First of all, first of all, if the first thing you do in the morning is check your digital balance, you might have a problem. You know, do what normal people do. Check Twitter or your YouTube subscribers, but don't check your, 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 your digital pound wallet, okay? 10 a.m., buy a cup of tea with digital pounds using your smartphone. Just tap, uh, tap it on the same device used for credit and debit cards. So there's no difference really to... 3 a.m., pay the electrician in digital pounds. Both of you get instant notification that the payment is complete. Basically, lightning, I guess. Mm-hmm. 6 p.m. Order groceries online and pay for them using the digital pound option on the website checkout. At 8 p.m. Transfer money from your bank account into your digital pound wallet. So basically, there is no innovation here. <laughs> it's it's well, all stuff they, we can already do. Yeah, and they do have it that you transfer it from your bank account. So you will have separate accounts that the I guess the government is making you have. You need your digital pound wallet and then I guess your bank account wallet and that's the point and that's why this is also in there this is like i can i can imagine like them sitting there and going through the schedule and like saying no no we need something that says the banks are still valid you know we'll put in something about your bank account still being there because because there's so many like stakeholders in this you know there's the public there's the credit card companies who want the who want the, the, the payment market right and and then there's the banks and and the banks hate central digital currencies because they don't see why the central bank is now getting involved with accounts and and uh, you know direct customer um, um, service, right? Um, so the, the the central banks are trying to set up the digital um, money, the digital central bank digital currency, in a way that you that you would still need the banks as intermediaries and and still have an account with the bank and all the customer um, services done with the bank. It all ends up with the same question that everybody's asking before we even started this. And this is, why would we need this? The money is digital already. Yeah. There's a reason why we need Bitcoin, because it's permissionless and it's, it's, it's censorship resistant and it's, it's inflation resistant. But the money that I use every day, the euro and the pound and the dollar, it's already digitalized. It's already there. Yeah, and you're not going to have any of the permissionlessness. You're not going to have censorship-free network you're going to have the complete opposite. So, and I think that's the entire point. For a lot of people, they think, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's digital. Yeah, it makes sense. But you're, in, you're involving the central bank in a way that you don't normally do. Because normally the central bank, what are you doing? You're setting rates, you know, you do this and that. It's even, normally it's the mints that will actually print the money physically if need be, or the, mostly it's the private banks that enter those new amounts and they lend them out and we have fractional reserve you guys know the story, but like even in your example, you pay the electrician in digital pounds. That goes into his digital pound central bank digital currency wallet. It doesn't have to go to the bank. Why do you, you still don't need the bank if this is going to be true? And that's the thing. So 
they are going to set up a technical thing where you technically don't need the bank, where you technically can surveil every single citizen, where you technically have no anonymity, where you technically um, can, 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 can deal with the central bank directly. And then they're going to set up rules where all these technical things are banned in the beginning at least because nobody wants it, you know? They, they are going, they're talking about now how it's going to be anonymous, how you're going to be able to use it offline, how you're going to be able to use it um, um, just like cash today, because that's what people want to hear. The thing is that the technical possibilities of surveillance and everything, censor, censorship, they are, they are going to be baked into the system. They're just at the beginning going to act like they're not going to use it. And they're doing the same thing with the banks. They're saying, oh, we need the banks as intermediaries. We need the banks because we because they need to, to, to deal with the customer and you have your digital pound wallet with a bank, right? But the thing is that once crisis hits, they can just get rid of all these, these, these um, 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 rules and regulations or that they put up themselves. Um, for example, one of the, the, the real dangers from the point of view from the banks is that they are not going to be too big to fail anymore because the central bank can just transfer all, everything into their own like central bank digital currency money and protect the customers and let the bank fail, which in a way is actually a good thing, but from the point of the uh, view of the bank, it's not a good thing. Um, and this, there's a lot, a long list. I actually, like this is, when they first talked about the digital euro in Europe, it was the first time that I talked to bankers and they would open up to the idea of Bitcoin because they, they get it. But so far, they didn't, they didn't see why they would need it. But now it starts as, as, an, as an antagonistic um, view towards the central banks. And did you know that, um, did I mention that maybe in the last, in the last uh, uh, podcast? I don't want to repeat myself. But there is like in the 10-point in the, in the ten, the ten uh, communist manifesto by Marx and Engels, having just one bank for the whole nation is basically one of like the 10 the 10 goals that they have. Oh, okay. So you bring, bring it, bringing it back to Marx. Yeah. yeah uh, I'm, originally. I'm, I'm coming in with the big guys. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, uh, you know, the, the Karl Marx Wolf is not too far from us here in Vienna. So I guess, um, it's just, it fits with the message. Uh, I mean, with, with all of that, you know, and the banks and the innovations and look, I'm, I'm not going to cry for the banks because they've already in a sense been replaced. And the only reason that banks exist today is you just need a, a legal mechanism in the private market to issue debt. Is basically it, because I, I most of the banks that I use and I use air quotes are actually like just digital service companies. If you have something like TransferWise or Revolut, um, Cash App in the U.S., I mean they're all using banking licenses from other banks. So it's just the legal structure. But in terms of like actually getting money and moving it, you're not having to use the bank anyway. And I'd rather use Bitcoin, you know, for all the reasons that you mentioned before. Fix the Money is brought to you by 21Bitcoin, the easy way to buy, sell, save, and send Bitcoin. 21Bitcoin is a Bitcoin-only app, not an exchange. There's no distractions. There's an individual savings plan, very low fees, first-class personal support, and a German bank account. Based in the Austrian Alps, it's available now throughout Europe. Download now using the code FIXTHEMONEY to get up to 20% off your fees over there on 21bitcoin.app. Not your keys, not your coins. You need a hardware wallet signing device. Check out the Bitbox O2. Swiss made, secure, beautiful, open source, Tor support, 
Bitcoin only, and an all-around outstanding product. Use the code FIXTHEMONEY on shiftcrypto.ch to get 5% off. That's the BitBox02, fix the money. I don't see this necessarily getting, like this would never have popular adoption if it was like a private app, right? The only reason this will, quote, work is because we're all going to be forced to use it. The digital, the digital central bank, digital money, yes. you mean? Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. So I've done a little bit of, of, of research. The Swiss, and the Swiss are more like the, the most, the most um, you know, reliable non, money. Non-woke uh, sort of. <laughs> Non-woke money, money managers in the world. Um, they already said, we tried this, it works, but nobody needs it central bank digital currencies. They said for private use, the risks are too big. Let's not use it. Mm. Um, Denmark has also scrapped their project. The Bank of Japan has scrapped the project. The US is actually very, very skeptical um, on, on central bank digital currencies. The digital dollar is not a big, a, a big topic there. And I believe it's, it's easy to understand from their point of view because the dollar, not only is the dollar already digital, but they're, like, all the stable coins are also digital, right? So, so you have that. Um, you don't really need a digital dollar. And then, and then when you look at China, who has already launched their CBDC in, 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 in I think, a couple, like 20, 30 cities, everything you find, and I'm not going to say I know exactly what's going on in China, but everything you find is it's not going well. People do not care and people do not use it. The only, the only reason why people use it is when they get free stuff, when they get like some discounts. It's a little bit like, an airdrop. I, I have to say it's a little bit like what you hear from El Salvador and Bitcoin. People don't use it. They just used it for the, for the free money they got, right? Um, but it's, of course, two different stories. In China, you already have WeChat Pay and Alipay. They don't need a central bank digital currency. They just don't. And, and it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how far they take this. Right? Because if you do not add any value to the product, why should people use it at all? Well, that is true in the private market, but when you control the guns and you control uh, essentially all of the authorities, yeah, it's not even a question. That's why I, I don't, there's not even a, a point to where I see this as having any viability because, you know, they're just still going to force it down your throat anyway. And, you know, you talk about using it in China, you have all these different things. Well, the goal is not frictionless payments it it really is just control and surveillance and right now if you want to if you're an american person and you want to pay someone in iran right you can't do it but it's not technically the government that stops you it's the banks that stop you because they're following the compliance from the government and there's all these different layers and the government says you know what let's just remove that filter and we'll just make sure that your money does not go into iran so let us be the enforcers rather than outsourcing it to the banks so I, yeah, just uh, I think the surveillance is the point. There's really no other practical reason for everything we mentioned before. Yeah, sounds like we need something like Bitcoin. You know, it, it would be a very good idea. Let's get Satoshi. Satoshi, can you work on that? All right. <laughs> uh, well, related to that, we've got a couple of actions that uh, they don't speak to central bank digital currencies, but some uh, some U.S. government action. Uh, the crypto exchange Kraken, uh, which is also active uh, around Europe, and a lot of people still use this. And um, I will give them credit. They do have the uh, Bitcoin Lightning withdrawals, which are pretty cool, and, and actually 
much more private than many other ways. Uh, so they actually will have to shutter their U.S. staking operation, and they had to pay a $30 million fine, $30 million U.S. dollars. And essentially, Gary Gensler, who is the head of the Securities and Exchange Commission, said it's because they failed to register this and to provide the proper disclosures. So for all of those people um, who have been using Kraken to stake their various cryptos, uh, all except Ethereum, by the way, uh, that essentially has to be shut down yesterday. So uh, why is Ethereum exempt? So it is not exempt. It is that Kraken has reached this deal with the authorities to say it's technically not possible. <laughs> uh, because much like many uh, commentators would note, uh, if you are staking on the Ethereum network right now, there is no mechanism to withdraw your stake. It's just kind of stuck there. They just forgot about it, right? It's just it's, They yeah. are working on it. Roadmap end of 2023, maybe 24, but... <laughs> Yeah, and the the charge of this is is called staking as a service. It's the idea that uh, Kraken, you know, everybody sent their I don't know what Paxos coins or you know ADA. I don't, I don't know what people are sending, but essentially they would just put a pool, and Kraken would take that pool and then they would stake it and they'd offer returns. But were those returns from other customers or were they actually from the staking pools? And because it's wishy washy, uh, we had Gary Gensler on television say, "Not your keys, not your coins." He actually said, not your keys, keys, not your crypto. He said that in the original video. And then in the interviews afterwards, he, he changed it to coins. Ah, somebody, somebody said it, Gary, Gary, come on. Well, the theory that a lot of people have is that he is a secret Bitcoiner. So many of the Bitcoin maximalists who are number go up are on Team Gary. And they like him because they think he's going to make all these shit coins be registered as securities cause all those markets to collapse. And because he's openly stated before that Bitcoin is a commodity, it will be safe from any of this enforcement action from the government. There is a lot to unpack here. Um, <laughs> so I, I agree with, with the idea that he might be some, somewhat of a Bitcoin maxi. He talked about Nakamoto's innovation being real. He said um, that... Some th most of what is masquerading as innovation in the crypto space is actually just hypes and scams, basically. I'm paraphrasing here. Um, and he said, and he did this MIT Bitcoin blockchain series that you can watch on YouTube before he even became the head of the SEC. Of course, he doesn't, he's not like a dictator, right? He's not like Gary comes to work and says, what is the security and what isn't. What I think is interesting is that the, the Americans, again, First of all, Gary Gensler, and this is this is the one thing that we have to talk about. He did, he did um, seemingly cooperate with Sam Bankman-Fried on FTX and the whole thing. So there was something going on there, right? We don't know what was going on, but this, it doesn't look too good from a from a Bitcoin perspective. It was ten to fifteen meetings that they had on the record. What, so, but we don't know what was talked about. Yeah, and uh, I think that's one big reason why Sam Bankman-Fried threw so much money into the Agricultural Committee in the Senate, and not to get too much in the weeds, but essentially they are in charge of commodities and CFTC, and, and the idea is that exchanges could register through them rather than through SEC, because SEC wants a bunch of disclosures and has to tell people risks and blah, blah, blah. But again, we don't know what you've talked about with Gensler at all. But there is a possibility here, it doesn't matter where Gensler stands, but I mean, 
I didn't even know that he, that he was giving money to the agriculture com agriculture committee. That's <laughs> so funny. Um, no, it, it's it's even funnier than that. There are senators uh, who are on this committee, and they normally deal with corn futures, you know, ethanol subsidies. And then all of a sudden, they've got a bill on their desk about regulating crypto space. <laughs> Sushi swap. What are we going to do, man? I don't know about this poo coin. Uh, we got to figure out what to do here. So you have all these 60 to 80-year-old senators that are essentially were in a while seen as the regulators of this because they oversee the Commodities Futures uh, Trading Commission. So very roughly, very roughly, the crypto people surrounding Sam Bankman-Fried and others like the, the Coinbase guy, right? They were trying to get all the crypto shit into the jurisdiction of the CFTC and make them commodities just like Bitcoin already is considered a commodity. Yes. Well, they wanted, they weren't lobbying for the coins. They were lobbying for their exchanges to just be considered brokers as commodity brokers rather than financial service Firms. But anybody who has two eyes in their head can see that they are financial firms. It's not, I mean, come on, you, you log on to the thing. It says, you know, what, what, I don't, I haven't been on Binance for years. You have but an says, account balance. Yeah. Uh, and you see, you see, but I remember the Kraken thing, Kraken Earn. So Kraken is, is, is here in Europe, Kraken is, is very big because they have the biggest Euro um, Bitcoin pair, right? And they always had the biggest Euro Bitcoin pair. And so Kraken has always been one of the main, um, um, exchanges that Europeans would use, right? Um, and I remember seeing like this, you can earn this and that on Kraken and, and even in my in my own like shitcoin days, I would I would actually use that, not for very long because it's always an, an uneasy feeling um, having money on there and then, and then getting some shitcoins. But the thing is, okay, basically what, what is happening now, the opposite of what the crypto people around Sam Bankman-Fried wanted, right? So what, whatever Gary Gensler talked about with him it never came to fruition and now they are they are going against crypto staking as a service as you call it so it's not about it's not about staking itself it's about companies that offer staking for you is that right yes and that's why why um brian armstrong um from from um coinbase is also very nervous right now because basically that's their main source of income right now or one of the main sources. Of yeah, that's where they get most of their customer deposits that they leave in custody. So yeah, that's that's a that is a gargantuan amount of money. Um, thankfully for them, Coinbase does have through this partnership with Circle, they have this whole USDC you know sort of sideshow, which you know could be the basis of the CBDC. We'll see about that. But <laughs> like that is, exists and is its own entity that, you know, you're getting tons of money on there. Uh, but yeah, the plan for the crypto CFTC thing just didn't work. And, you know, meanwhile, I hate to get into the politics of the day, but there is no federal bill yet that has been decided in the U.S. to still figure this out. So that's why the SEC is just putting out these actions which are essentially these letters and fines about who's allowed to trade and who isn't. And they, they have now this fine on Kraken and they've been ordered to shut down. Uh, mind you, they're U.S. operations. So if you are in Europe, you can use the earn. Not that you should. You should use a Bitcoin-only uh, brokerage like 21Bitcoin or something else. Uh, but that's at least something that is only regulated right now in the U.S. So... Did the, did Jesse Powell did Kraken just fuck over Coinbase here? Um, I th well, so he, 
Powell is kind of like he he took his hand off the wheel a while ago, so I think he's still on the board, but he was kind of removed mostly for anti woke politics stuff. But did it screw Coinbase? I, I don't think so. I, I think realistically, Kraken was just a big player, and Coinbase has a lot of money invested, and they are likely up on the chopping block. Like there's there was no way around it. They're the biggest you know, gorilla in the room. So they were always going to be a target no matter what. And I don't, I don't even know what the terms are anymore. I mean, I remember back in the day, they were fairly high. You can get eight to 10% on certain things. Uh, I'm sure these, uh, these percentages have gone down. So, yeah, I mean, it depends. Do you, is it a stable coin thing or is it a shit coin thing? You can always get lots of, lots of percents on your, on your, on your shit coins, right? In, in shit coins, that's easy. Um, because it's built in, you know, if you have, a staking, I don't know, polka dot or whatever. Um, it's built. The inflation is built in, and the stakers get 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 the rewards. So, but in the end, it is a financial contract, and it is a security. No, no way you can you can spin it any other way. So I'm I'm looking I'm looking forward to see what the SEC does next because the SEC actually does stuff. Europe, Europe, on the other hand, we talked about Europe. We have Mika, the markets in crypto, asset regulation, blah, blah, blah. And yes, it's going to be there. I don't know if you, I don't want to get into how, how good it is or how bad it is. But the interesting thing is now that they're delaying it again, maybe. There's nothing really happening here. While the SEC can actually do stuff very quickly. So You know, it's, it's funny because it's perceived as the opposite depending on who you talk to. Because in uh, U.S. circles around the, the crypto sphere, quote unquote, uh, they say, well, Europe is so advanced because they have this MICA thing and they have all these frameworks and the Europeans are very well organized. So it's <laughs> like, it, you know, it's a strange like thing, this chasm where actually nobody is doing that, which I would argue is actually a good thing for now that we don't have all of these crackdowns and rules and everything else and uh, essentially wanting to have total surveillance. Um, I don't, I'm not on the camp that likes the Gensler speech mostly because I don't, I don't really kowtow to government power. So I don't necessarily cheer what is happening right now. I think it was probably inevitable at some point that the system would catch up. I don't think overall it's a good thing because I think the, the more that they do this, Bitcoin will ultimately be some kind of target. But yeah. it's not, yeah, I mean, it's much more resistant to all these other coins. I mean, if, if this really happens and goes to the next level, um, you know, if you look at the coin market cap list there, you, you have at least 600 of these that would collapse right away. Yeah, but Bitcoin is going to be a target. And Bitcoin already is a target by the White House. The whole environmental stuff is still going strong in the White House and in Europe. They have an, in the MECA regulation, there's like a little, a little um, environmental like, thing, right? environmental thing in there that, that in a couple of years they could revisit a proof of work mining ban, which like it wouldn't be a big deal because there isn't, a lot of mining in Europe, but it would be a big deal for, for small miners, you know, and we want more small miners. We, we want everybody to be a miner, basically. Um, so, so that's going to be a, an interesting development. I, I don't know how to see it. It's, it's digital in the end, you know, everything's digital. So, so it's going to be like when we go back to the beginning, maybe, you know, one of the, the core ideas of the, the sovereign individual was that in the digital world, you can, you as an individual or as a family, you can move quickly from one jurisdiction to the other. You can you can choose 
where to live and what to do. And and I think that the book that you that you mentioned it ties into some of the same you know topics and 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 ideas. So so there's never gonna be a global um, um, like regulation on Bitcoin or crypto or whatever. Um, it, it, in the end, it it just is it is the product strong enough and is the value added big enough for the market to resist resist the regulations? Because one thing about regulation is. Maybe we wouldn't even have Bitcoin if the banks weren't so regulated, right? Um, because it's completely ridiculous. I mean, oh, a you, free banking maxi, are we? <laughs> it's a, I've gotten this actually. So greetings go out to my bank for the first time. I get I get money from 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 somewhere else. Not a big sum, but it's and it's not a, not the smallest sum. And they they call me up and say, "What did the, what, what, you have to tell us where the money came from?" And I'm like, "Why do I have to tell you where the money came from?" And my first idea was. Well, with Bitcoin, you wouldn't even know that there was money flowing, you know, because there's a big difference between between having to talk to your own bank. Sure, I do have to pay my taxes. If it's income, I'm going to pay my taxes. I'm going to declare that the income. Yes, even if it's if it's a Bitcoin thing. But I don't have to talk to the bank first and explain to them why I would why I would get money wired. Right. And of course, it's not the, like the bank guy's fault. Right. He just follows whatever the regulations are. He has to check the box. He just has to check the box. Um, But it's so, it's, it's, it's everything so um, controlled already that of course people will go um, into the cyberspace and there is lots of opportunities there. Not even, not only with the money. I mean, even I talked about the creator economy or have you heard about the digital Renaissance? Oh, I like that. Okay. Yeah, we should, we should, we will get into the digital Renaissance. Um, so there's so many things going on all at once that I don't see, like you said, that the, the, what the, the, the illusion of the competent controller is going, to, is, yeah. is going to go away more and more. And what I see, especially with the young people of today, and I mean, I'm 40 soon, so we're not that young anymore. How old are you? Don't say we. How old are you? Uh, I am um, much like uh, the executive order in 1933. Oh, you're 33? Yeah. You look a lot older, man. Yeah, thanks. Thank, thankfully, <laughs> we're just doing a podcast. Um, so I'll, put, for- I'll put my pants back on, but I, yes. I was, I, was, I, was talk, I was talking about the people who grew up in a world where they already did, they basically just know a world with Bitcoin in it, right? Yeah. Um, and they have a completely different point of view. So I'm actually very optimistic, but it's going to be chaotic. And that's why we're here to, yeah, I, I guess, you know, what do you want? Some optimism? Can we get some optimism in here in the room? Let's do it. So let's get into some uh, some tech updates and cool things I think that are happening. Obviously, you are listening on Podcasting 2.0. And uh, for those of you who have that enabled, that means you're using an app like Fountain or Castomatic or Breeze, and you're listening, and you can also uh, do your stream sats. So you can actually set your amount to one sat per minute, two sats per minute, 21, whatever you want. And then you can also send a boostergram with a message. And I know Nico has been inundated with many of these, and uh, he's catching up <laughs> for, uh, for Vast Bitcoin Brink, and he's got plenty of other things to look at. That's my um, German, German channel, right? And we've gotten, actually, uh, boostergrams, and um, we've gotten sats to Fix the Money podcast as well. That's great, man. So that's uh, it's going well. So the podcasting 2.0 sphere, again, wholly reliant on the Bitcoin Lightning Network. And there are a great amount of apps out there that are using it. There are people that are integrating it more and more. 
it's essentially breaking down everything you know that is the traditional podcasting space and in a way it's its own censorship free podcast index which is the podcastindex.org which is amazing uh, so that is um, just another innovation that's growing every single day and getting better and we have cross app comments chapters you know you have the ability to do that and then you know at the same time that you have podcast in 2.0 we have um hashtag noster which you said we you didn't want to talk about too much last time but i noticed you're on now on noster you have your well, your pub okay. key here i i can i i'm going to ask you a very stupid question if i get if i get as username on noster because i how did i get the noster i got the noster the minute we had um uh, an iphone app right because i'm just a nor <laughs> i'm just basically a karen right and so I got an Oster, and I chose the username Nico, right? Yeah. Is that now my username for all of Noster, or is that just for this app, or how does this work? That is just the tag uh, for your pub key. So it will become your username, or what we like to call in the Noster world, identifier, once you validate that with a domain. So you could have it at Nico at com, for instance. Okay. And that would be your identifier. But right now, if somebody just goes into their Noster app or client and puts in Nico, they will only see you pop up if they've already followed you. I see. I understand now why you're so much better with the technical stuff than I am because you're only 33. Yeah. I get it. I totally get it, man. Right, right. But uh, yeah, Noster is growing every day. There are all types of clients, um, both on uh, the website that you can just pop into a browser and do it. There's this um, app on iPhone called Damus, D-A-M-U-S, which is now in the official app store. Um, and actually in Test Flight, which is sort of the testing ground on iPhone where you can kind of test new apps, they have this new thing called Zaps, where actually you just uh, put out a post or a note and people can zap you Bitcoin directly to your wallet, just on your note. So it's, it's you imagine everything that you do with, with Twitter where you smash the like button or retweet or whatever, like here you could actually provide value to an awesome thread that someone writes on Noster, like directly with lightning. It's like pretty sweet. It's value for value, man. I'm totally amazed by how well this is going, at least in the Bitcoin space. Um, thank you for every, everybody who is, who is listening, um, who's streaming sets, sending sets, sending boostergrams. It's for me, it's coming from even like the old, media world i still struggle with like youtube man um not struggle but i mean there's lots of positive feedback there and then you get this other dimension and seeing bitcoin so tightly integrated in all these um basically media uh, innovations right it's so interesting and so cool to see that's why it's the we talk about digital you know currency of the internet right but what it really is is the essential building block for so many other things. That is the main issue that many people have with many of the different altcoins is that you don't need to build all these different layers and use cases. Like you have everything there with this immutable chain with Bitcoin. And from there you can start and build so many other things and integrate so many other things. You don't even need to do that. You could even, if you wanted to go a bit degen, do an NFT on the Bitcoin blockchain. You can we, do whatever do we, you want. Are we really talking about that? Uh, we, we don't have to. Uh, just to know that, you know, fee markets exist. And, you know, any bidder that wants to use up block space at their transaction, they're able to do so. So how is this going to play out? I think this is like, 
for any listener who's listening to this now, it, it, it's it's already old news, or is it still is it still like real news, or what do you think is gonna? In the end, it's just gonna be too expensive to host your stupid NFT on the Bitcoin blockchain, and then that's gonna be it, right? Yeah, it could be, but you know, people are you know burning and wasting. You know, I don't even know how many ethers to mint all this stuff anyway. But one thing that I, I would just say is the interesting note about it, and I'm not an NFT expert, right? But most of the NFTs out there, that, let's say they exist on Ethereum or Solana bullshit chain or whatever, the thing that it points to is you never actually put the image on the chain. You don't actually take your CryptoPunk and put it on the Ethereum chain. What you do is you put a URL that points to where that NFT is. You get a receipt, basically. So it's like it's in my Amazon web server or my GoDaddy you know, website page or something like that. With the Bitcoin ordinals, they're called, or inscriptions, they're actually in the chain using binary data. So basically, Bitcoin innovated on the whole NFT thing already, and now it's, it's, there's, it's, it's better than what you could do on, on Ethereum, but most Bitcoiners are just saying, go away with this, we don't want it. I, I, I would say there's a lot of people who, are, who have that negative association and want to say, go away NFTs. I think they're still, I mean, look... You don't need permission to build on it, right? No, <laughs> That's the whole point, right? Exactly. I think Gigi said that. You know, he's, he he doesn't have to. He maybe hates what you're doing with the Bitcoin, with mm -hmm. Bitcoin, but he will fight for your ability to do it, um, because in the end, the market has to decide. And if the market decides that this is what we're gonna, what we're doing on the Bitcoin blockchain for now, I'm 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 okay with that as long as it doesn't, you know, break things. Um, but it's 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 interesting. We we have, this is one. Uh, challenge that Bitcoin has to overcome, like other challenges like altcoins. But I want to get back to the f to the Nostra thing for a second here. Yeah. Because if you build, and this is going to be a theme for the next couple of episodes, if you build a creator economy around Bitcoin, there was a great there was a great guest on um, Preston Pish's podcast actually. If you build a creator economy about uh, around Bitcoin. Um, and like you said, it's going to be a building block. So what you need is this decentralization, this censorship, censorship resistance, um, this this basically web like web five, right? Like what Jack Dorsey called it jokingly. Um, you could do all these things theoretically, technically with CBDCs if those CBDCs arrive. And then on top of it, you still have the problem that you have like 140 different CBDCs for an app or a service that's basically global, right? Mm. So in the end, we're going to have either we're going to build this on Bitcoin or we're going to build it on the dollar from an e economics point of view, uh, on dollar stable coins maybe even. So that's why, that's why CBDCs are so pointless. From, from, we don't need them. We really do not need them. And and that's why it's going to be very interesting to see how far they are going to take this. Yes, you say they're going to, going to force us to use them. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I want them to try it because it's going to be so embarrassing when they fail. It's going to be so embarrassing when they when they set it up and then there's a hack, you know, or it doesn't. the system doesn't work and people can't pay their stupid coffee bills. I mean, of course they can because there's still, there's still cash and there's still credit cards and For everything. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for now. I mean, the, the whole cash thing, we, we should also talk about that at some point. But we're already getting a bit long, so we're not going to do cash now. But then there's so many op op opportunities of, of, of innovation on top of Bitcoin. Um, 
So not only do you innovate in the realm of money, but you can also put other innovations on top of this new innovation. And it's exactly what we need. We need something positive, something something creative going forward. We don't not we don't need like um, digital versions of the old things that 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 are not equipped to deal with the the, the, the challenges of of today. And at some point, it even gets totally ridiculous having a central bank um, with a mandate to to service a geographically defined zone. But with a digital currency that can be used anywhere in the world, mm-hmm. it's this 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 problem the Fed already had has had for for a couple of decades now. But it gets super ridiculous when everybody can do it. So so it's going to be super interesting. And I think that Bitcoin, from from all the technical um, um, aspects and the the the, 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 the aspects that, that make it, um, has a very good shot at at being you know, the solution for many problems that we have today. That's yeah. why we're here. That's why we're fixing the money. And that's why we're bullish on tech and Bitcoin. Well, Nico, it was a pleasure. I guess I'll talk to you again soon. I love doing this, Yael. Um, we're doing this soon. We're doing this soon. We kind of have a, a couple of interview podcasts as well. Um, we're going to have one or two of these a month where we talk about news and you keep me up to date and I try not to look stupid. (laughs) All right, let's do it. All right, let's fix the money. Bye-bye. For more content, podcasts, and articles like this, visit fixthemoney.substack.com.